VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hello, hello, you're listening to Off Air with Jane and Fee, but this week, of course, it's with Chloe and Callum. And as we like to do at the start of the podcast, we can take you behind the scenes and tell you that producer Rosie is recording this for the first time. So if it sounds weird, if it's gone wrong... It will be perfect. It'll be Don't perfect. Be It'll be immaculate. It's a Rosie Cutler production today. It has been lovely this week, sitting in for Jane and Fee. We've been very lucky, haven't we, just to sit and kind of gossip on the radio and do some news. It's, it's been, been nice. really nice. It has been a newsier week, perhaps, mm. than we'd expected, given the sort of half-term vibe that's in politics and life in general, I suppose. Um, we had that big SNP news, Nicola Sturgeon news this week, so we were dealing with that, um, which was quite an action-packed day. But it's, it's a nice, leisurely sort of afternoon conversation on Times Radio, isn't it? With, I hope we've channeled some of Jane and Fee. We haven't fought over the big seats. I think that's a thing that we've managed to avoid. <laughs> there haven't been any big seats because we've been sitting in the cupboard. Let's be actually. honest. But no, it's been lovely. And thank you for all of your messages. We've um, we've really enjoyed it this week. So um, I hope you've enjoyed having us here. We're returning to breakfast. Um, in fact, early tomorrow morning, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're on Breakfast on Times Radio. So I hope you can join us then. Tell you someone who did join us today uh, for our big interview was Dr. Maggie Aderin Pocock. She is a wonderfully inspirational person. You know those people you just speak to and the enthusiasm in their voice just lifts you and engages you. She is a space scientist. She's a space communicator, a science communicator. And I love the fact that she describes herself that way. She told us she spoke to over 400,000 children Remarkable. about science, about space, about making it engaging. And what I loved about her was she was talking about how we've got to move away from old white men talking about science in a certain way. They've yeah. got to be different ways of talking about science because different people get drawn into science and space through different approaches. Yeah, and science is exciting. That's the thing. And if anybody makes it boring, they're doing it wrong. Yes. I'm no scientist. I'm not particularly enthused about science. It's not my passion, whatever. But I can think back to those memorable science lessons in school where a teacher brought it to life, mm. usually by making something sort of explode up, or yeah. pop or, you know, <laughs> a different coloured flame you know first time you see a flame that isn't orange yeah. and, the, and it's because of whatever chemical they're burning those sorts of things make science exciting and also I think we're probably we're probably at this stage aren't we where space exploration space travel is becoming exciting once again in a way that it would have done de or would have been decades ago and actually we're probably quite fortunate that we're kind of living into that chapter now and so that should be exciting too and to engage children and, and bring them in well let's hear from dr maggie Aderin pocock she began by telling us where her passion for science and space came from 
I got the space bug from a very early age and it turned out to be the clangers. <laughs> <laughs> so I started watching the clangers when I was a child and I just fell in love with them. And it turns out that the clangers are a gateway that led on to sort of hardcore science fiction, <laughs> like Star Trek and things like that. So yes, I, I'm also a Trekkie. So. <laughs> but um, I, um, um, because I had some challenges when I was growing up, um, science fiction sort of enabled me to sort of, you know, sort of think crazy thoughts and sort of uh, uh, have crazy dreams, really. <laughs> When you say challenges growing up, tell us about them. Yes. Uh, so one of the things um, that I found out is that I went to 13 different schools when I was growing up. And it's quite interesting because when I go out and speak to kids about this, they say, oh, my goodness, how naughty were you? <laughs> it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. So my parents split up when I was four. And sometimes I was with my mum and sometimes I was with my dad. Um, but also um, one of the challenges I faced was dyslexia. And it's funny because um, um, as a dyslexic, um, when you're at first at school, it's all about reading and writing. And these are some of the things that dyslexics find really hard. But now I see dyslexia as my superpower. And it sort of really enables me to do the things that I love. But yes, when I started off I was sort of put in the remedial class at the back and sort of considered to be a bit dumb and um, uh, so my crazy dreams of getting into space seemed literally just a crazy dream. It, and it's interesting that that happened because and I, I mean that happened a lot didn't it even when I was growing up I saw that kids that were clearly very intelligent but were dyslexic and, and not diagnosed were not given the opportunity. Did it put you off learning? For a long time at school, I thought I don't like school and school doesn't like me. Mm. But my, uh, my parents were sort of very into education. They saw the education as a sort of a way of uh, sort of uh, transcending barriers. So it, it was sort of quite a, um, a challenge for me because um, uh, especially early on at school, I just decided that yeah, I used to fall asleep in class and sort of sit in the back and uh, with the safety scissors and the glue, you know, just keeping out of harm's way. Um, but uh, there was a moment actually when a teacher asked a question and, and everybody else in the class got it wrong and I got it right. And I thought, oh, my goodness yeah, maybe I can do this so that was quite a transformation and then lots of help and support from family friends and many wonderful teachers mm. I mentioned to somebody that I know that we were going to speak to you today and immediately they said inspirational mm. and oh. I wonder Maggie at what point you realized you were inspirational Thank you. That's that's lovely. I'm sorry, I'm losing my voice a bit. But it's quite interesting because um, sometimes people say, oh, Maggie, you're a role model. And at first I thought, oh, my goodness, I, I can't be a role model because I know what I'm really like. <laughs> <laughs> if you see my study here, I'm, I'm quite messy and I'm, I'm, I'm really optimistic. So I'm usually late for everything because I try and cram too much into the day. <laughs> and so I thought, I, I can't be a role model. I, I can't be sort of inspirational. But I realised a, a, a role model, someone who's inspirational, has got something to share. And so for me, it's talking about space and astronomy and, and science and that's what I love to do and so I don't think you have to be perfect to be sort of inspirational or a role model you just have to have something to share and uh, yeah my I like to sort of uh, um, share my love of space and everything out there. Mm. Crucially though you, you harness it so well and you're so willing to share it I suppose there are some people who could be inspirational but but haven't quite put their finger on on how to do it. Yes. And I think that is a challenge. Um, but um, I've been sort of doing sort of science communication for sort of over 18 years. And in that time, I've seen about sort of 400,000 people. So um, uh, if, if you take my first talk, I'm not sure. <laughs> it was quite up to snuff, but it's a learning experience. And I, I think that's what people don't realise. Um, also, it's just trying to find the right hooks. I remember when I first went out to speak to younger kids, I said, like, you know, what can, what do we have in common? What can I use? And it turned out to be twinkle, twinkle, little star. Because <laughs> you know, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. And I said, like, well, hey, let's go on a journey and find out what stars are and you know, what happens in stars. And so it's finding, I think, the right hooks that sort of uh, make the, um, the science accessible. 
I can imagine when you were growing up, science was still very white, male, middle-aged. Did you see that in yourself? Did you see any barriers put up? Did, did you see it as a challenge? I mean, what were your experiences like? So um, I, I think um, growing up, one of the things I, I thought was that um, all astronomy was done uh, originally by white guys in togas. Because <laughs> it seemed all back to the, sort of the Romans and the Greeks. You know, they were the people who did astronomy. But I've since learned that astronomy is the heritage of every culture of the world. And so I'd like to sort of um, share that with people. And, and also, yes, sort of growing up, uh, um, uh, when I was, said I want to be a scientist, so people sort of looked at me and said, you? You don't, you don't look like the type. You you don't fit the stereotype. But I was lucky that I got the, the passion for it as an early age and so it was almost as if nothing was going to stop me and uh, through my life um, there's been a, a sort of a number of sort of challenges and pitfalls where I've you know, fallen flat in the mud and so oh my goodness yeah, it's all gone horribly wrong but when you have a big dream it means you pick yourself up you brush yourself off and keep going just find a different route to take so um, uh, the fact that um, um, the most people I was interacting with or I was often the only sort of a female in the room and all, the only black person in the room uh, sometimes you can use that to your advantage it means that they remember what I'm going to say so um I don't think it's always negative. Mm. And I know that you're really passionate about getting girls particularly engaged in science. I do think it's getting better. I've got daughters and I do think at school it is getting better. Girls are not quite so scared of science because I think sometimes they can be a bit scared. I think it's becoming a bit more accessible. What do you think the key is to unlocking girls' enthusiasm and belief that they can do science, they can achieve in it? So I think there's a number of different things. Um, one of the things is that um, if you take a subject like physics, girls often do better than physics than boys. But some girls think, oh, you have to be a genius to do physics. And I'm not a genius, so I, I can't do it. And it's showing them that, yes, you can do it and you can excel in it. So I think role models do come into that. So just showing sort of you know, a, a number of fantastic women who've had brilliant careers in science and in STEM, science, technology, engineering and maths, because then they know that they're sort of a, they're, they're not taking a lonely path other people have trodden the path before them and I think another factor is relevance um, but sometimes what uh, people are learning in school doesn't seem to bear any resemblance to what's happening in real life yes that's true and making that connection I think is and I think the curriculum is trying to change to do that more but at the same time I think more can be done I've met organizations where kids are actually doing sort of proper scientific research with sort of um, sort of a, um, researchers from universities and other organizations and they're making a real difference so it empowers them it gives them confidence to know that they can do this as you're listening to me Daisy Apple's iPhone disassembly robot is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to Off Air with Jane and Fee. This week with Chloe and Callum. Thanks for having us. We're talking to Dr. Maggie Derren-Pocock, space scientist, science communicator, and all-round inspiration. Here she is telling us about how she dealt with repeated failures involved in space science, because you have to. You have to fail to succeed at space, don't you? She says they're necessary to succeed. Uh, there is actually but in science in general mm. um, when we're progressing and sort of uh, um moving our sort of uh, our mindset forward um there are so many dead ends we take along the way but we learn from those dead ends and and this is one of the things that we don't bring out often we talk about ah oh, the success and yeah this is a this we've done it we've achieved it but we don't talk about sort of the route that we take and it's very important i think for people to understand that because it isn't just instantaneous success it is sort of the journey along the way and all the things you learn on that journey so um I think um, I think the way we talk about science and the way we sort of talk about research and how we do it. And I was um, at Spaceport Cornwall um, uh, uh, in January uh, for the sort of Virgin launch. And it was so exciting where this sort of this um, um, a jumbo jet took off with the rocket slung underneath. And then we were all there you know, rooting for it. And in the end, you know, something went wrong and it didn't quite make it into space. But you know, we learn from that. And so next time, hopefully we get there. But it is um, it, it is quite a process. Yeah. Is that a mindset that you feel uh, helps you in in other aspects of your life too. You're so involved in so many different things that that kind of get knocked down but we get up again sort of mentality. Yes, and I think it's that sort of resilience. And I, I think I got that from an early age because as a dyslexic, it's all about, it's all, you type something into the computer and the computer says, uh-uh. Think, okay, okay, let's, let's try and spell it another way. And uh-uh. Think, okay, let's just use a different word. <laughs> so, um, so you sort of learn that, yeah, there's usually another route. But I think that's why um, when I go out to see uh, speak to kids, I like to say, have a big and crazy dream. You know, reach, for, reach for the stars, no matter what your stars are. Because by doing that, it means that when you do fall over, you pick yourself up, you, you lament the things that have gone wrong, but you pick yourself up and you have your um, eye on that sort of end goal and you keep going. And I think that's the resilience, you're just keeping going. You um, go to so many schools and speak to so many young people. And I know there's been a real push in recent years to get more young people, particularly girls, but young people into STEM subjects, as you say. Um, Are you seeing that change? Are you seeing more enthusiasm amongst young people? Do you think it's working? I think it is, but it's working too slowly. (coughs) So if you look, sorry, if we look back at the numbers, things are uh, moving sort of gradually forward. Um, Back in 2019, there was a magical moment when um, sort of more girls took physics, chemistry and uh, biology than boys. And so people think, yes, this is wonderful. But girls are still sort of going more for the sort of the the biological sciences or sort of going into medicine than the computing, the engineering and the physics. So it's just trying to show that, you know, these subjects are good for everyone. And also showing that these subjects need diversity. I think it's quite terrifying if subjects like physics are just done by you know, white guys. Mm. We need different ideas coming to the table because then it's, it's 
better for profit profitability but it's better for the subject as well because we're having more sort of yeah when you have a brainstorming session you have more ideas coming in and so sort of yes more diversity in that way Mm. and do you think choice is important i'm thinking particularly rishi sunak thinking about making kids study maths to 18 i'm just wondering should it be about choice or should we actually make kids study sciences study maths longer so they learn more about it and potentially fall in love with it Yes. Well, I think the problem is when you make someone do something, I think they're less likely to fall in love with it. So I think what we need to do is actually make the subjects sort of sort of accessible and exciting and sort of sell the subjects to them rather than making them do it. I'm, I'm slightly worried about sort of enforcing these things. Um, I've met many people who said, oh, yeah, I, 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 I didn't like physics at school. You know, my physics teacher didn't make it very exciting. So let's make it exciting. And so more people want to do it because otherwise I think I, I think it is very important, though, that people have an awareness of science science uh, and uh, sort of stem science technology engineering and maths is gathering our lives in so many different ways but as a society we need to have a, a, an awareness of where stem is going so we can make the right decisions and but as but as a society so even for the kids that don't want to become scientists i still want to speak to them so they have an awareness of what we're doing in science and we can sort of go forward in the right direction what is what is the cell for physics what is the most exciting thing how do you make it exciting oh um, well, when I go out and give a talk, I like to talk about sort of some of the uh, amazing things that are happening. So, um, uh, just talking about our, u- um, our, our universe, um, our sun is our local star. And when we look up in the night sky and we see all those other stars, their suns like our sun. Um, over the years, it's quite interesting to see how our knowledge of the universe has changed. We used to think the sun was the center of the universe. So we used to think the earth was the center of the universe, then the sun. Now we know we live in a galaxy called the Milky Way that contains 300 billion stars. And, and one of the things we're discovering is we're discovering some of the planets going around those stars. And we're able to analyze some of their atmospheres. So we're looking for life out there. And in, in the future, there's a, a project called Breakthrough Starshot. We're hoping to actually be able to send space probes to these Sort of distant stars and see some of these what we call exoplanets so there's so much exciting stuff going on out there mm. it's just uh, but it's also highlighting that some of the things we just don't know we only know what about 90 um about, about sort of a six percent of the universe is made of the other um uh, uh, the other 94 percent we don't know what it's made of and so it's, i like to tell kids this you know we're stumped come and help us <laughs> because there's still so many questions to answer that is why you're a science communicator <laughs> that's exactly. clear Exactly. It made us both (laughs) smile. Um, On a slightly different um, topic, I want to ask you about, Maggie, you've mentioned quite a few times about diversity and about race and often, you know, it's white men in a room who are doing this educating, you want to change that. I know that you're a commissioner for the Commission on Race and Ethnic Disparities and you were involved in that report back in April 2021, which was looking at whether there was institutionalised racism in this country and it found that there wasn't, there was still racism, but it wasn't institutionalised. And I know you got quite a lot of kickback, as many of the people involved in that report did. Do you you regret being involved in that or do you think it, it was helpful and it did help move things forward i think um if you look we came up with 24 recommendations um out of that report uh, people got very hung up on the sort of institutional racism but um the the, the um some of the uh, outputs were a sort of an office for um uh, health disparities so looking at how different racial groups sort of re- uh, respond to different uh, medicines so investigate sort of yeah, how medicines can be sort of tailored uh, for uh, sort of different uh, um ethnicities mm-hmm. uh, another one was um um people uh, the police need to use stop and search but one of the ways we can sort of uh, 
protect people from stop and search is make sure that people have a sort of a, a body cams when they're doing the stop and search. So if something goes wrong, we can actually sort of look back and say, OK, that doesn't look right. So there were all these sort of different recommendations. I think they got lost in the semantics, which was a, a, an unfortunate thing. Uh, but also, I think racism is alive and unfortunately kicking in the UK today. And it's something that we need to tackle. So uh, although I regret the response to the um, uh, the report, I think it was a necessary thing to do. And what we need to do is come together to stamp out racism uh, and, and sort of, uh, to stamp out sort of well, racism is one aspect, but it's just sort of um, allowing different people from uh, different groups to thrive in a community. So um, that, that's sort of uh, one of the challenges that I'm, I, I want to take on. And I think um, the report helps to do that. Do you think racism, racism is getting worse in this country or that it is improving in, in the sense of people are breaking it down and and it, and it is less frequent than we would see in the past i think it depends on how far back you go and when my dad sort of first came to the uk from nigeria um he was going to places and there was sort of a i think it was as obvious uh no blacks no dogs no irish and there were signs like that in windows. And so we have moved on. Mm. And, and so there's legislation and things like that to sort of um, um, to, to improve that situation. But sometimes, um, although uh, the legislation is there, things can go underground. And I, I think um, there are there is still racism happening. Um, you look at so, some parts of the NHS where um, um, people um, uh, of ethnic minorities are much more likely to be sort of disciplined and things like that. And to me, it's about sort of communication. And so it, it is trying to sort of tackle it. So I think it has improved from sort of the times that my uh, father lived in. But we've still got a long way to go. So, yes, we're, we're in the right direction, but we need to get there faster. And, and I think that's what we were trying to do with um, the, the report. So, yeah. That was Dr Maggie Adarin pocock space scientist and science communicator, an all-round infuser of children and people about science. Um, we had so many of your messages today on varied subjects, which I absolutely loved. We were speaking at one point about the piece in the Times magazine, which comes out on Saturday, where Anna Murphy, the fashion editor for the Times and the Sunday Times, had, um, had two photographs taken. It's on the front page of the magazine, one where she looked beautifully au naturel and one one where she had actually been tweaked, if you like, what she would have looked like if she'd had Botox or whatever, which she absolutely does not do. And uh, we had a message from Sue in Chester. She says, I'm 61. I'm an ex-dancer and model. I've had no fillers or Botox and never would. Notice this year on Love Island, more of the people taking part looking a bit more, well, natural. Some have had work, but there are a few participants, including men, who look like they've actually had nothing done and it is absolutely refreshing. I mean, the people who go on Love Island certainly mm. don't need any work done because they're in their 20s. Yeah, exactly. that, but that's what's worrying, isn't it? It's yeah. filtering that message down that, that you have to look kind of perfect, whatever perfect is. And as the, our conversation uh, kind of explored on the programme, actually kind of you start with a bit of work, but you have to keep having the work done to maintain it. And ultimately, there's a real danger you end up looking like Courtney Cox or Madonna. Yeah, exa exactly. And why is that becoming the definition of perfect? It's bizarre. Yeah, it's just they weird. look completely abnormal, in my opinion. I will forever be wrinkly. Yeah, and bring it on. I've got loads of grey hairs already. Um, At 29? 29, honestly, <laughs> I see them. And that is generally what spurs me to get a haircut, because when my hair's short, you don't see them. Ah. Particularly in the sides. So when you come in blonde, we'll know why. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Too many greys. <laughs> uh, something else we were talking about on the programme today, this um, lobster pie. It's not a pie. Well, you and this person who texted uh, will agree. Uh, agree. 
A pie is not a pie if it only has a pastry lid. That is merely a stew with a pastry lid. <laughs> a pie is a stew contained wholly within pastry. This is in capital letters. Stop conning pie lovers. It is true. So this is a fancy restaurant in London that's charging, is it 96 or 94? 96. 96 pounds for, a well, a pie, in inverted commas, that has two lobsters in it. Share, share it for between two people. And the king and um, queen consort were apparently there in the last couple of weeks. I do wonder where the queen consort picked up COVID, um, just as an aside. Uh Anyway, they were there having their lobster pie, and apparently it's become the, the dish of the moment. Some people don't even look at the menu. They just say, bring me the lobster pie. The lobster is sticking out. It's, it's worth saying the head is coming out with the eye and the shell and everything and looks at you as it, as it appears in front of you. Apparently it's very rich, Yeah. so you really would be full on your 50 quid each. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I feel like it's not for me. The only restaurant I can ever walk into and know what I'm ordering without looking at the menu is Nando's. I get the same thing every time. <laughs> Never been to Anando's. Have you not? No. I'm, I'll take you to Anando's. I don't want to go to Anando's. Oh, right, okay. well, but thank mind. you for the offer. Well, take welcome. me somewhere posh. Right, okay. But I'll go to the lobster, lobster restaurant, pie? but not right. the lobster pie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, we did have this text as well, on which we will leave you, because it will blow your mind like it blew ours. Uh, this is David from Suffolk. Does uh, Maggie, Dr. Maggie, think that there might be intelligent life on other planets? And if so, why have we not been contacted yet? Well, David, when you find intelligent life on this planet, let us know. Thanks for having us this week. You can find us in our usual home, which is Times Radio Breakfast, Friday, Saturday and Sunday mornings from 6am. And tomorrow on Breakfast, or the 17th of February, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, we are going to give you the chance to win a six-month free digital subscription to the Times and the Sunday Times. You have to have collected all five, by that point, all five winning words. We've done four of them on this podcast all of this week, and the fifth one will be live on Times Radio Breakfast on Friday morning from six o'clock. So do get involved if you'd like a chance. The word today is... Rocket. Rocket. (laughs) I nearly forgot. I didn't See, I didn't write it down. You need to write it down. So Jane and Fee are back next week in their normal slot, three till five on Times Radio, Monday to Thursday. We're back in our normal slot on Times Radio Breakfast, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. I hope you can join us then. You have been listening to Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Our Times Radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Ben Mitchell. Now you can listen to us on the free Times Radio app or you can download every episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget that if you liked what you heard and thought, hey, I want to listen to this but live, uh, then you can Monday to Thursday, 3 till 5 on Times Radio. Yeah. Embrace the live radio jeopardy. Thank you for listening and hope you can join us off air very soon. Goodbye. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. 
every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com